welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Today we're continuing on in this series that we've been calling Heaven in the Real World. Talking about what it would be like if heaven itself came to earth. How and how we actually know what it would be like if heaven did come to earth. Because we have a record of it, right? He did, Jesus did come to earth. Heaven came in the form of Jesus. And it's written down on this book right here. Because Jesus brought heaven to earth, um, we can know him. That's what we're focusing on through the end of October. Last week we talked about the miracle of the walk home. You'll have to go catch up online if you missed that one, uh, if you want to hear it. As you can see from the title this morning, our title is this phrase, for the sake of. We're going to be in Matthew Matthew chapter 15 if you want to turn there and be ready. And I'll warn you uh, a little bit, um, I don't know if serious is the right word, but uh, don't get mad at me, okay? I'm just saying, please don't get mad at me. Uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta say what the Lord tells you to say. Just don't get mad at me. Uh, to set it up for this morning, though, uh, that that phrase for the sake of it's in this passage we're gonna read in a minute. I want to talk to you this morning about a change of perspective. When we think about a change of perspective, right, it often involves seeing something from another point of view. Or maybe uh, if it's a physical landmark, you see it from a different direction, a different angle, different kind of light. And when it comes to seeing something from a different direction or angle, one of the things that comes to mind for me is this cross right up here on Table Rock. If you don't know, you can actually see it from our patio out here. And I can tell you that it looks different up there depending on uh, the time of day. In the morning, the light reflects off it differently than in the evening. And at night, of course, as long as no one has vandalized it recently, the lights come on, right, and it changes drastically. One of the first times I really noticed, the way, reason I thought of it this week is the first time I really noticed it was at the Glow and Treat two years ago, our trunk or treat. I had parked down by the doctor's office where I'll ask a lot of you to park that help with this thing. And the big lights, we'd rented these lights from Tate's Rents and they were shooting down on the grass and on the parking lot and those were still on. They were the last thing to tear down. And I was walking back down the street and I could see that cross even though those lights were really brightly lit up. And I could see it up above the church up there on the hills. There was like this mist that was starting to gather. It was getting chilly because it was fall. As I drive down from our house, we live on the Boise bench up there off Overland. Uh, Depending on the clouds and time of day, you can see that thing up on Table Rock from different vantage points as you come down the hill. It looks different depending on the perspective that I have. It actually looks way bigger from right out here than it does from my house. This morning, we're looking at something that's a little different than the past couple weeks. There's not a voice from heaven like a couple weeks ago. There's not a paralyzed man getting up and walking. It's just a conversation that Jesus has with three different groups of people. He has a conversation with the Pharisees, with the crowd, and with the disciples. I believe if our hearts are open to it, that every single one of us has something in common with all of these groups today. Yes, we have something in common with the Pharisees. Like I said, don't get mad at me. I believe that what God is asking is, is what are we living? He's asking me, John, what are you living for the sake of? What are you living for the sake of? When it really comes down to it, why is it that we do what we do, and why is it that we say what we say? Is it because we've always done it, or is it because it's what God himself asks us to do? Are we living for, this was the big question for me, are we living for the sake of what we think are our rights? Am I living for what I think I have the right to do? 
or are we living for the sake of the cause of Christ? And where do those two things intersect? With that in mind, let's read this scripture this morning, Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. I'll bring to you the NIV today. We've got it for you on the screen. Here we go. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes in to someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. What are we living for the sake of, friends? First thing we see in this passage is that the perspective of the Pharisees was exactly backwards. Jesus here, he is confronting the same group of people that we saw him confront in the passage last week. And in the New Testament, honestly, he does a lot of that. He's confronting the teachers of the law. He's confronting the Pharisees. He's confronting the ones whose duty it was to interpret the Old Testament law for those who wanted to follow God. If you wanted to go to heaven, to this point, the way to accomplish that is, they thought, was uh, you had to follow uh, God, right? And you had to follow the direction of these teachers of the law. To give us a little perspective, okay, this is a couple years into Jesus' public ministry. A whole bunch of miracles had happened. A whole bunch more were to come. But many people were believing in who Jesus was. They were realizing that the, the rules and the laws were not the way he got to heaven. The Pharisees and the teachers, though, they were getting tired of Jesus opposing them. So many people are rallying to him, and and these Pharisees have no traction anymore. So they do what they think is the next best thing, and they go after his disciples. And the Pharisees, they do something here that we as Christians can sometimes be guilty of. Please notice I'm saying we. I'm including myself. And that's this. The Pharisees confused a tradition with a command. The Pharisees confused a command with a tradition. As we've said, these, these folks, they were keepers of the law. The law is in the Mosaic law, like the one that you can go read about in the Old Testament. It's been passed down for generations. The same law that contains the Ten Commandments. That is to say, there was and there is legitimate instruction in there. Legitimate commands from God contained in this law. However, over time, what they had done is uh, they had confused their tradition of how they obey those laws with the actual law itself. For example, there was this command, uh, starting here, the part we read today, there's a command, Exodus 16, 29, a command that was to be obeyed for sure. 
Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are. On the seventh day, no one is to go out. If you're familiar with the story of Exodus, the Israelites are wandering. They need food. God provides it, gives them these specific commands to make sure it goes how it should. The point of this was that God was sending manna from heaven to feed them. And he would send double on the sixth day so they could stay in, rest, honor God on the seventh day. And this is actually a command God would have us keep today, to have a regular Sabbath where we rest and honor God. That's the idea of the command. Here's kind of where it got sideways. The the teachers of the law had decided uh, that this was permanent. On every seventh day, in every situation, until the end of time, that you had to obey this. You could not leave your house carrying anything in your hands for any reason at all. So even when society had changed, God was no longer providing all their food by a man. It was against the rules to leave your house for any reason on that seventh day if you were carrying something in your hands. You could not do it if you wanted to go to heaven. It was considered work if you left your house because you were carrying a weight or a burden in your hands. So the question came up, what if you have something to donate to someone who's in need? What if you have something that someone else really needs to survive? Some sort of critical supply, someone in a family may need. Well, the people, what they could do, what you were allowed to do if you wanted to be a good person and still go to heaven is you could meet at the doorway. Neither person could cross with your entire body. That wasn't allowed, but you could reach across and you could make an exchange. That way, the person doing the giving, they would not technically leave their house. The person doing the receiving, they would only enter their house and they would not leave their house with anything in their hands. This was how convoluted it was. It's kind of like this Hershey bar. Who... And the front rows here is in great need of this Hershey bar. Oh, Tacey's in need of the Hershey bar. Okay, Tacey. Okay, um, the chairs are your house, and the stage is my house, okay? So uh, you really need this. Like, you will die if you do not have this Hershey bar. Is this the correct thing? Yes. Okay, she needs the Hershey bar. Thanks for being here so early, doing a great job today, Tacey. She needs this Hershey bar. And I know I need to give it to her. The Lord has spoken to me, right? And I want to give it to her. What has to happen if I want to go to heaven according to the way the Pharisees were going is I have this Hershey bar. I don't know how I get a hold of her back in these days. I yell or whatever. Tacey, come on. Tacey, would you like this Hershey bar? Okay, come closer, please. I can't reach you. I'm not allowed to cross this or I will not be able to go to heaven because I'm carrying this Hershey bar across. I must hand it to you. Carefully, don't do anything you're not supposed to do. Now go back to your seat. Now you may have the Hershey bar. Now we can both go to heaven. There you go. See how convoluted and confusing it was? And this was just one rule uh, of like hundreds and hundreds of rules. Got convoluted, confusing very quickly. Enjoy the Hershey bar, Tasty. There's more where those came from. (laughs) You see how it would have been so convoluted, confusing, how it would have been nearly impossible to obey all those things and still remain faultless before God. Unless you studied them for a long time and really often, or you consulted someone who did, and that is where the teachers of the law came in. Now, there were traditions that were helpful in carrying out God's commands, but you never knew which ones were, which ones weren't, which ones the teachers had just come up with, so you just defaulted to what the teachers told you. The teacher of the law said so, and you were Jewish, and you wanted to go to heaven, that is what you did. And the one the Pharisees called the disciples out on had to do with ceremonial washing of hands before eating. Not washing your hands to make them clean enough that you don't get sick. Ceremonial, ceremonial washing of hands. There was no actual command about this. Only for priests who were uh, supposed to wash before offerings in a certain way that were brought to them. 
It's completely inconsequential as far as everyday life is your health. But someone could watch you really closely, a teacher of the law, and they could say, gotcha, if you happen to mess it up. All it was was simply washing your hands in the right way with the water running from the correct direction, correct temperature, had to be just right before you ate anything. Now, besides being confusing and a little frustrating, the mixing of a tradition and a command, it also led to something much more sinister. And that's where we're going with this little part of it, is that it created a loophole that, that made an excuse for sinful or wrong behavior. And when the teachers confront the disciples about something completely pointless, Jesus takes the discussion, as he always does, to a deeper level. You see, there was and is there this command for the people to care for their parents. This exists today. It's in the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. However, to get around to this financial obligation of supporting their elderly parents, the teachers of the law had come up with this clever idea that they would dedicate their money to God instead. They would dedicate all their money to God. And since God was above their parents, they couldn't help their parents. Sorry, Mom and Dad, dedicated all my money to God. The only problem was that there was no one to follow up whether they actually gave the money to God or not. So the rabbis had approved this tradition. The teachers of the law had decided that it nullified the actual command. You might be thinking, why are we talking about this? This sounds ridiculous. It does sound ridiculous when you, when you talk it out that way. But here is where it gets real to me, real to us. Friends, sometimes we, as in people who would call themselves believers, followers of Jesus, um, we sometimes excuse sin by twisting scripture for the sake of our preferences. Now we say, well, this is just what we've always done in our family. It's just tradition. Ah, you know what, Pastor? This is just the way I interpret this scripture, so this is, this is what we do. We say to ourselves, well, I know that the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The eye is the lamp of the body. Yeah, I know all that stuff, but our family, you see, we've always enjoyed watching scary uh, movies together. Yeah, some of it's like explicit and demonic and all that, but no one actually believes any of it, so it's fine to just watch it. And therefore, in our house, you know, anything goes as far as what we put on TV or the screens. You know, I know that Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. One of my most quoted verses. But you know what? I just listen to the music. I don't pay attention to the lyrics. Therefore, we just kind of listen to whatever in our house. The, the lyrics don't really matter. It's just the music. I really enjoy the acting in these movies, so I don't really pay attention to the content. So. You know, I know that Jesus says the truth will set you free. But I really believe the government is being unfair, and they don't really notice if I don't uh, report my income clearly so I get cheaper housing. They don't really notice. And listen, we deserve it because we've had really tough breaks. There's some fine print we didn't see when we signed that piece of paper. So, you know, what we're doing is we're being wise as a serpent, like the Bible says, and we just go ahead and we game the system. I know that Proverbs says that wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler and that it's a sin to get drunk. But having a drink at the end of the day, that's just what our family has always done. Listen, nobody's getting hurt. It's fine to knock the edge off. The cabinet's locked so the kids can't get into it. It probably sounds like I'm being needlessly harsh, legalistic, unrealistic. The reason I just kind of poked on all those is because every one of those, I've either had the Lord deal with me personally about or I've counseled someone within church about it. Pretty often. 
And we could keep going all morning with random situations like that. I'm not judging anyone in this place, uh, watching or listening online. It is up to God to deal with each heart individually. He can convict. The Holy Spirit can convict. I can only answer for what's inside of me, what I allow in my family. And the same goes for you. But we have to ask ourselves as believers, if we, like the Pharisees, are we mashing God's commands in a tradition or habit that we've come up with? Are we mashing those together? together? And has it made our perspective all wrong? Are we looking at uh, our life, our, our Christian walk from the direction of how can I get away with something that is possibly sinful? How can I make it so I can get away with this and justify it? Or are we the people, like Jesus talks about here, who honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him? Or are we the people that ask the question, what does it look like to live a life that's transformed by the grace of Jesus, and how do I start there? You see, the perspective we come from will determine what we live for the sake of. Now that everyone is mad at me, we'll just continue on to the next parts, okay? We're going to see as we move through the passage what happens with the next group of people. Number two, the crowd was called to listen and understand. And this part is just a couple of verses so meaningful to me, though. I believe it's so key because it determines uh, how we move forward if indeed our perspective has become skewed a little bit. And uh, I'm saying our and we because it happens to everyone. It happens to the best of us. Look with me really quickly just at verses 10 in 11, where he speaks to the crowd, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. It says here that Jesus calls the crowd to them. See, he's been off speaking with the Pharisees and the teachers, but the regular people had remained farther away, possibly out of reverence, possibly out of fear, maybe a mix of the two. It kind of depends on how you look at it. The reason is because the crowd, they've been, no doubt, if they're Jewish people, they've no doubt been doing their best to adhere to these laws and these traditions for as long as they remember. Because that's the way you go to heaven. That's the way you be a good person. That's how you serve God faithfully. They are not about to cross or offend one of these people that can make a determination as to whether they have sinned or not. They want to stay far away from them. So Jesus comes to them separately. He looks them straight in the eyes and he says, this is something you need to understand. Listen and understand. What technically goes into your mouth does not make you sinful. But Jesus does not want them to think it's impossible to make themselves unclean before God. Of course, we know that's not true. Lest they take those words from Jesus and say, great, anything that goes in doesn't defile me. It's a free-for-all. He lets them know that there is something that makes them unclean, and it is what comes out of them. And this would have been a radically new way of thinking for these people who had lived by these traditions and laws for so long. The idea that you are not made sinful by accidentally touching the wrong thing, by accidentally washing your hands wrong. Walking out of your house at the wrong time of the day with a Hershey bar in your hand. But the way they lived as a result of their decisions, it determined their need for forgiveness. To make it relevant to us today, friends, it's not what physically goes in via our five senses, but what it leads us towards. The question we have to ask is how does what we allow in our life affect the condition of our heart? 
That's the question God asks me every day. It's the question God is asking you. How does what you allow in your life affect the condition of your heart? I can't stand here and say it's a sin to take a sip of alcohol. I can't. I can't ask you what is the effect it has on your life. I can't stand here and say it's a sin to listen to one secular song. I can't say that. It's not in the Bible, and I don't think it's true. But I can say how does it affect the condition of your heart. It's not whether we accidentally eat something that may have had wine used in the cooking process. It's not whether we are walking by a department store and we see a TV that had an image on it that we shouldn't have seen. But it's what comes out of our mouth and what we do in our actions each day. Those are the proof of what is hiding inside of our hearts. You see, every moment of every day, we get to choose as people what we are planting in the garden of our heart. And if you're hearing this and you were involved in raising kids, you need to know this. What you were planting in your heart, it's also being planted in the hearts of the others in your house. The things I plant inside of my heart, it's being planted in my wife's heart and in my son's heart. And even in Christina's heart, who doesn't even live here anymore. I'll tell you, friends, this is so convicting to me. And here's the part where I believe that God uh, wants us to listen and understand just um, this thought he sent my way this week that was for this message. Here's the thing I want you to know. The battles that we choose not to fight, we leave for those that come after us. Friends, if there's stuff in our lives that we choose not to deal with, and I'm not saying it's easy, but if there's stuff in our lives that we choose not to deal with, maybe it crosses into the category of sin, maybe it doesn't. An alcohol habit that just remains just under the category of drunkenness. Allowing sinful material to come across, not just our TVs, but these magic devices we carry around all the time. Not demanding truth in our own heart. Maybe it's an anger issue that bubbles just underneath the surface all the time, but we keep it quiet, but it's, it's there. Maybe it's just simply the way we speak, speaking in a way that is dishonoring to God. Those are just examples. All of that stuff, like we've said a time or two, they are between us and God. Whether they're sinful for us, it's for God to deal with us individually on. But what we must listen to, what the crowd had to listen and understand, is that what we do in moderation, those who come after us will do in excess. If I do stuff a little bit in my house, I'm sowing it into the sons of my life. Yeah, I might be able, in my life, I'm 43 years old, I might be able to hold it, hold it at arm's length, you know. But if I sow it into my kids from now until they're adults, they might not be able to when they're out of my house. So the question we have to answer as people who as believers is, do we have the courage to fight the battle now? To confront the thing that's always been comfortable, we've always done, and really ask the question, how does this affect the condition of my heart? Or do we want to leave it for those that come after us? Do we want to risk the health of our heart, the future of our family for the sake of our comfort? I told you I was convicted about it this week. <laughs> if not, if you don't want to risk it for the sake of your comfort, the good news is with God's help, we have the ability to change our perspective. The perspective of the crowd here was likely radically changing because they were starting to understand that because of Jesus who stood right before them, they didn't have to worry about accidentally breaking a rule they may or may not have known about. But they could begin instead to examine the fruit of their lives. And finally, Jesus turns to his disciples, and we see 
In this final set of verses, number three, the disciples had to let go of their tradition in order to change their perspective. So far, we've seen a couple of groups. The Pharisees who opposed Jesus, the crowd who had gathered to hear him. I actually can't wait to get to heaven and see how many Pharisees uh, turned towards Jesus while he was on earth. That just, and it just isn't written down. I bet it's a whole bunch of them. Just saying. Anyway, now we come to the third group. The Pharisees had opposed Jesus. The crowd had gathered to hear him. And now we come to the third group. His disciples and his 12 closest friends on earth. And as we dive into this last little bit, I want you to know I completely understand uh, this, a lot of the stuff I'm telling you this morning, the stuff God is speaking to us. It's not that popular. I get it. Living a life that is set apart to honor God, the Bible says it often looks like foolishness to the rest of the world. And if you make a change in how you live, if God is convicting you today, if you make a change in how you live, uh, it might look a little crazy. And that's kind of what the disciples are saying here in verse 12. Uh, You know, verse 12, let's just look at it here really quickly. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? This is the the, the John translation. Uh, Jesus, did you know you just made a lot of really important people super mad? (laughs) Yeah. And Jesus said something to them that I think should speak so deeply to us. He says, listen, those that create loopholes so that they can sin, it's like the blind leading the blind. Both leader and follower will eventually die. You live this way, you lead yourself to death. And Jesus says something to his disciples that's really important for us to notice. He says, leave them. You see, one of the worst possible punishments in life is for God to decide to leave us alone. These people that are creating loopholes so they can sin, God says, you just... I'll just leave them alone to their own devices. Citing tradition while all the while intending to sin, that's one of the things that sends us in that direction. We don't want to go there. This would have been a devastating blow for the Pharisees who probably could hear what was going on because these people, they prided themselves on being enlightened, understanding the law, understanding uh, the Bible as they had it. Even if they did obey some commands or have some helpful traditions, uh, they were not applying any of it to their hearts. And they were being told they were headed towards sure destruction. Peter, as always, the guy, the spokesman for the group, he tells Jesus, listen, uh, we still don't understand. I don't get it. And this specific tradition that Jesus brought up, this would have been something that had been ingrained in the disciples as they grew up in Jewish culture. And if you read farther in the New Testament, Peter even has a vision where the animals come down from heaven and he's allowed to touch all of them, right? This is a thing for him for a while. Of course, the disciples' life, these guys have been following Jesus around. Their life had been changed by Jesus. And they no longer believe themselves to be saved by legalism. But that doesn't mean that old habits don't die hard. And now Jesus was telling them, hey, this centuries-old tradition, no value. Doesn't matter. So we see here that Jesus, he bottom lines it for him. He says, whatever you eat, washed or not, it all eventually has the same fate. We'll just be very, you know, PG about it. It goes one end, it comes out the other. That's the way it works. If my sons were in here, they would start laughing because they would start, you know, imagining all the funny words. They're 8 and 10, by the way, if you don't know that. Jesus reiterates to the, to the disciples, though, listen, what you eat, it has no power to defile you. 
Verse 19 is what lands it for the disciples, and I believe it lands it for us too. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. You see, the question we have to ask ourselves, is there a habit or a tradition that we are uh, partaking in that's causing us to be what's described here in verse 19? The perspective of the disciples, it had to change to another angle. So instead of thinking, uh, uh, instead of thinking, what rule did we break? They're beginning to think, what is the fruit of my life? This morning for us, friends, I believe that uh, for those that would call yourself a Christian, some of us, sometimes we need to change our perspective. We need to change our perspective from what can I technically get away with and still go to heaven? To what does it look like to live a life that is sanctified by Christ each day? The question we have to ask ourselves is, am I living for the sake of what makes me comfortable in a moment? Or am I living for the sake of the name of Christ? And here, though, is uh, where the best part comes in. The best part, like I touched on earlier, is that we don't have to do it alone. You might be thinking, uh, hey, uh, Pastor Guy, uh, this all sounds well and good. What you're saying sounds really easy, but actually it would be very difficult. Yeah, you say don't watch any more stuff in my house, but that's, that's you know, easier said than done. Listen, man, uh, you say what you want to say, but these are habits that I've been practicing for decades. I don't think it's going to be something I can quit in a day. You're thinking, I'm going to have to go to my kids. I'm going to have to tell them they're going to have to delete a whole bunch of stuff from their phones. I'm going to have to put parental controls on my TV. I'm going to have to delete stuff from my phone. I'm going to have to, like, stop going to certain websites and scrolling so, certain social media things. I have answered all those questions from my, in my own life. There's just uh, websites and, and things I just don't go to. The stuff that's on there, I really want to see. It's sports or music or whatever, but the ads, it's just a place I can't go, so I don't. Just an example for me. Some of our favorite movies and TV shows, we just can't watch those anymore. Because yes, if it we're honest, it does affect us. But the great part, friends, my favorite part is that God sent his son Jesus to help. And yeah, it takes action on our part. We can't just say, yeah, I want to do that and stay the same. It takes action on our part. But when we accept the salvation of Jesus, he begins to change us from the inside out. And as we come close to God and we begin to examine what it looks like to live a life that's transformed by God instead of follow a bunch of rules. He reveals these plans to us that we never have imagined on our own. And believe it or not, this is the craziest part, believe it or not, the desire for the things that give us comfort, it starts to fade. The stuff that we love, the TV shows and the music and the substances and all that stuff, the desire for it and the love for it, it begins to fade as God gets a hold of our life. And the reason is because our perspective changes, right? It changes from what can I do to survive this day to what does God have for me today? I'll tell you, friends, when your attitude changes from how do I survive to what is God going to do today, it'll change everything for you. Just you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. We're almost done. Um, I'm not going to uh, call anybody out, do anything crazy, but I um, believe the Lord would have us do two things today. Our heads are bowed. 
Our eyes are closed. Um, and again, this is uh, stuff that every single person who would call themselves a believer, all of you who are great people, uh, the Lord would uh, still speak to us. I'm going to do two things this morning. If, you, if you're here and you're hearing about this guy, Jesus, and um, you're like, I want that in my life. I'm going to give you a chance in a moment. But if you're here this morning, friends, and you are a believer, you're a Christian, you're going to heaven, but you know this morning as we've talked about this, uh, the Holy Spirit has convicted you, and you just know uh, very simply that uh, God is calling me to live a more holy life than I have been living. I tell you, I've, I've had a lot of Sundays when I could raise my hand to this altar call. <laughs> so, friends, if that's you today and you're here this morning, uh, and you would say, you know what, God's calling me to something more holy than I'm doing in a few specific areas. Would you just raise your hand across this place so I can know what to pray with you, know what to pray for you? Thank you guys so much for your honesty. Thank you. Secondly, if you're here this morning, uh, well, actually, let me pray for you. Lord, for those that raised their hands just now, and Lord, for those that uh, wish they would have, maybe should have and, and didn't, uh, Lord, I just pray you would... Uh, work in their hearts even still. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, that you make all things new, that uh, well, my favorite psalm says, Lord, that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Lord, I pray that as you've spoken to us, as you've convicted our hearts, as you've convicted my heart, Lord, I pray uh, that you would begin to make us new today. For those in this place, and as we've talked about your word, read about the reaction of the Pharisees and the disciples and the crowd. Lord, as we've talked about those things, for those that are just, it's occurring to them, they thought it was just a thought they had, but now they're understanding it's you speaking to them. For those that are understanding that you are asking them to make, it might be a small change that could have eternal results in their life or their family's life. Lord, for those small changes you're asking them to make, I pray that you would give them courage and strength to do it. Uh, they would uh, they would know it's not just the room and not just the music, but uh, God, it's your still small voice speaking to us. Lord, for those there in this place, and man, if, if we knew everything uh, and they're holding something that's pretty deadly at arm's length, Lord, I pray that you would give them strength and you would give them deliverance today. God, as we draw closer to you, I pray that you would let our desires for all the things that shouldn't be a part of our lives, would you let the desire for that stuff fade? Thank you, God, you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Friends, our heads are still bowed, our eyes are closed. Uh, you need to understand when we talk about Jesus and forgiving of our sins, the Bible says that every one of us has sinned, fallen short of the glory to God, but we don't have to stay that way. When we accept Jesus, we ask him to come into our life, he forgives us of our sins. We become sons and daughters of God. But it's a decision that we have to make, and it's as simple as uh, making it in your heart and saying a prayer if you feel so led. So if you're here today, you need to accept Christ for the first time, or maybe uh, you need to rededicate your life, make yourself right with him today. Would you just raise your hand across this place so we can know to pray with you? Trust all of you know the Lord. Mm, I, saw you. I saw you. I'm sorry. I missed it. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for your convicting Holy Spirit. Friends, we had some, uh, a hand or two raised this morning, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask all of you to repeat after me. Each one of you uh, in this place, if you know the Lord, you're just saying this prayer and you are agreeing uh, with the salvation that's happening in this place. So if you say this prayer and you mean it from the depths of your heart, then Jesus is coming into you and renewing you today. Everyone in the place, would you say, dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you have spoken 
through your word. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I accept you into my life. I will serve you all my days. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Friends, if you said that prayer for the first time or 10th or 15th time, uh, and you mean it from the depths of your heart, the Lord is renewing you today. Hopefully, uh, it's able to not just speak words that are convicting, but also encouraging. Uh, uh, I would just encourage you, friends, as the Lord encouraged me today, or this week, to listen and understand what he's saying. God's calling us. He has bigger and better plans for us than we could imagine. Um, uh, but sometimes it takes us making difficult choices in order to get there. Um, so I'd encourage you, just reflect on what the Lord has said to you today. Um, again, I just want to reiterate, I, I, it's not my job to judge anyone. I don't have specific knowledge of any person. I just know what the Lord asked me to speak today. So I would just encourage you, uh, let God do what he needs to do inside of your life. Um, and if you said that prayer for the first time or you rededicated your life, I'd love to know. Uh, I have a little book we'd love to give you about what it means to serve Jesus. Thank you for being here today, being a part of our church. Let me pray over you once more. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word that is uh, alive and sharp as a two-edged sword. And I pray that it would find the deepest parts of us, that it would find the deepest parts of me. Uh, Lord, no matter what it is we feel in this place, I pray that your grace and your mercy would go with us that they would guide us and direct us. They would uh, go before us this week as we go about our lives. Jesus, uh, thank you that you love us more deeply than we can imagine. Thank you that you gave your life for each one of us. And I pray uh, that you would make us new as we go and you would bind us together by the power of your name. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Friends, thanks for listening today. Hey, don't forget to check those sign-up sheets for the glow and treat on the way out. All sorts of amazing stuff happening. Thanks for coming to church and we'll see you Wednesday night, uh, hey, something amazing happens every Wednesday. Guy spoke this last Wednesday, and you totally missed it if you weren't here. So uh, uh, make sure you come to church this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. We'll see you all soon. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.